All right, let me try that again. Good morning, church. Oh, man, that was so much better. You, you guys sound like you're excited and uh, the blood is flowing. Uh, God is present. It's good to be here with you this morning. You know, one of the, my absolute favorite stories in all of the Bible is one that most of you probably know. Uh, in fact, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a passage of Scripture that, that almost everybody has heard of. Now, whether they un, or not they have actually read it in the Bible, whether or not that they have uh, kind of toiled over the words that Jesus has used, it seems like everybody would be aware of a guy and he's left half dead on the side of the road and there's some religious guys and they walk by on the other side and then comes along a good a Samaritan. He helps him out, throws him in a hotel, says, hey, anything he needs, you just, I'll, you just give it to him and I'll pick up the tab, right? You know that story. And oftentimes we have used this story of the good Samaritan really to mean the good humanitarian. I mean, it's, we, we, we attach title of good Samaritan to all sorts of stories in our world. There happens to be a stranded motorist. They have a flat tire. And, and here comes the... Okay, this is where you say, Good Samaritan. And here comes the... Good Samaritan. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yes, the Good Samaritan. They, they stop. They help change the tire. I remember years ago listening to a, a news story about uh, someone in the Boston or New York area and uh, someone had kind of tripped and fallen into where the train tracks are and someone, a good Samaritan, came along and rescued them just before death struck them. A good Samaritan. I mean, sometimes when we talk about Good Samaritan, we talk about maybe someone who has taken a short-term mission trip or uh, someone who invites someone else out for dinner or uh, someone who uh, decides to go and work in a soup kitchen. Good Samaritan. All of those seem to be Good Samaritan stories. And you know what? They're wonderful stories. We could even say there's stories of God's good kindness uh, being enacted in the world. Uh, but can I tell you, Jesus had more in mind when He talked about the Good Samaritan. When Jesus told this great story that we have attached to, He had something more in mind. As I was reviewing one of my favorite stories, this story of the Good Samaritan. I began to look at the entire context in which it happens. And Luke sets the stage for this wonderful parable, this wonderful story that Jesus tells by talking about God's kingdom. And he talks about God's kingdom message. He talks about the good news. You see, uh, Jesus has sent out the disciples with the good news of the kingdom. Uh, they're to be preaching what Jesus was preaching, which was the kingdom of God is near. Hey, don't forget, the kingdom is near. And this whole, whole story that Jesus begins to tell, well, it ends up in Luke's narrative being... A story about hearing, listening, and responding to the kingdom message that the disciples came bringing. Throughout this entire passage, uh, we hear, uh, are you believing? Are you living? Are you responding and replying to God's good 
news. And the way that Luke organizes his material, the way that Luke puts this whole thing together, what we see is that he's answering a really important question for you and I. The important question that he is answering for us is, what are the characteristics of the person who responds well to God's good message? Who, who is this person? What's the make in the best possible way? And so that you and I can answer that question, we come into God's Word this morning and God shows us ourselves so that we can answer this question about the character of the person who responds to God's good message, to the good news, to the kingdom message of Jesus. We're going to go into God's Word, into Luke chapter 10. So join me, would you, in Luke chapter 10? Luke chapter 10 this morning. Matthew, Mark, Luke, the third of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. Matthew, Mark, Luke is where we see this wonderful story of the good Samaritan. What we find is that those who respond to God's good message, those who reply well, to the good news of Jesus. They're obedient. God's stuff, doing God kinds of things, follows those who are hearing, who are listening to God's good message. It seems simple enough that when we hear God, we respond and we reply by doing the things that God would have us to do. You see, this whole story really begins with a professor and a preacher. They, he, he was a doctor of ministry, you see. And he stood before Jesus to try and test Him. This wasn't an uncommon thing. I mean, he was like, I'm, I'm going to show Jesus what's up. And he stands up before Jesus and he asks this really good question. It's a real religious question. Maybe a question that you and I have asked. Maybe a question that I have asked before. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Pick up the story there with me in verse 25. On an occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, how do, how do you read the law? He answers a question with a question. And by the time we get to verse 27, uh, what we find is that, that it's really about the thing that Jesus said the law and the prophets hangs on. Do you remember what that was? It's about loving God and loving people. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Do you remember that? And he says, yes, you got it. Look at verse 28. This is key now. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do it. Do this thing and you will live. Obedience. When you hear God's Word, when you hear His 
message. Uh, when you recognize the good news, when you have listened to it, you have to actually follow through with your life. Check this out. It's not the end of all of that. Jesus tells the story, and look what He says in verse 36. He says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Hey, which one loved God by loving his neighbor? That's what Jesus is asking. In verse 37, he said, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy. And Jesus says at the very end, go and do likewise. When you hear, you respond by being obedient. When you listen, you live by doing the God stuff. Around here, we have said, hey, when you listen to God's good Word, when you recognize that God is speaking, would you have the boldness to help people find and follow Jesus? That's what Jesus is saying here. People of God, church, if you are hearing God's good Word, if you are hearing the message, then you must reply and respond by being obedient. You have to say, I'm going to do this, not just listen. That's what he's challenging. Not just this guy. He's challenging us this morning uh, to go out and do, to hear and to respond, uh, to reply with our legs and our hands and our actions. Go and do this. Now, it's not the love God and love people part of, that, of this story that troubles me. I mean, Jesus has said that lots of times, right? I mean, over and over again, we have Jesus saying, love God, love people. This is, you know, the, 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 the law and the prophets hangs on this. Love God, love people. Do that and you're, you're going to be good to go. It's the part where Jesus makes me face myself. Are you ever bothered like me when Jesus slips a mirror in front of your face by using the Bible? I, I find myself in this story going, I don't want to listen to the next part. Uh, let's just go on. Let's dismiss church early, right? I had an old homiletics professor say there was never a short sermon I didn't like. Uh, let's just leave it at love God, love people, go and do likewise and go home and eat potato salad. But before we end the story, Jesus slips a mirror in front of our face. Before we get to the end, Jesus takes a magnifying glass and He makes us look through it at ourselves. Notice how He does this. Look at verse 29. He says, but He wants to find Himself and so He asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? He's saying, I don't want to love other people. There's some people I don't want to love. There's some people that I don't really want to have compassion on or mercy. There's just some people in this world I'd rather walk by. 
Is it hot in here? Are there any people in this world in which you would really just rather walk by? You see, this is where that story uh, of Jesus uh, really shows us our, our own heart. You see, this is, this is where believing in the Word and the boldness to live it out collide, isn't it? This is where the listening to the Word and the living the Word crash together in tension. Do you feel it? Because I feel it. Be it someone's sexual orientation. Be it someone's political status or agenda. Uh, be it the, the neighbor who annoys you to death because they uh, just simply won't take care of their own stuff. Be it the local board who makes decisions that you don't like. Oh. Be it, be it the person who decides not to wear a mask and you're a mask wearer. Are you with me? Are there not some people in this world uh, that just grate at you on the inside and you just think, I would rather not? And you and I may stand at times in verse 29 with this expert, this religious person, this person that goes to church, this person that knows the law, and Jesus says, if you're listening, then you're living. And maybe you and I, once or twice or a hundred times, have said, I'd rather just walk on by. And in response, in response to, to us, when we would rather walk by, Jesus says, let me tell you a story about a good Samaritan. Do you know what an oxymoron is? It, it, an oxymoron is like two things that don't seem to go together but do. Good Samaritan is one of those. Uh, for those people who heard this the first time, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. I need you to understand something. The Samaritans are the enemy. Do you get it yet? The Samaritans are the infidels. The Samaritans are the scum of the earth. Uh, they are the people that you most want to destroy. Are, are you with me yet? Pick your favorite enemy. Who's your enemy? Is it that neighbor? Is it that politician? Is it that board of directors? Is it that boss that fired you? Is it that person who's causing stress in your marriage? Who is it? Who's that enemy? Who's that person you think of? Oh, 
if Jesus were here today, when he would retell this story to you and to me, I think he would name the enemy that we have in mind. Because the Samaritan was every much as real an enemy as your enemies are to you. And the question that I keep asking is, <laughs> okay, Jesus, why the Samaritan? Why such a strange hero in the story? You see, you do realize that, right? Jesus tells this story, and He makes the Samaritan the enemy, the infidel, the scum of the earth. He makes that person the hero. And Jesus is, is found essentially doing this thing. He's saying, uh, how come you can't be more like that guy? Wait a minute. Jesus, you want me to be like that guy? No. No way. That guy's the enemy, Jesus. That guy's the scum of the earth, Jesus. If you find yourself a little bit offended, then I think that we're exactly where we should be. If you're offended by Jesus saying you should be a little more like your enemies, then you actually might get the point. Because Jesus is saying, hey, you know that, that politician, that neighbor... Uh, that person who causes you great pain, uh, they're doing some good things in the world. Oh, look at them. They're, they're going and they're, they're donating money to, to people that are in need. They're deciding that uh, they're going to make a land plot and allow high school students to know what it's like to be a farmer. Uh, they're going to donate their time to make sure that seniors have good meals. And on and on and on the list goes. And Jesus says, hey, can, can you at least do that? He is calling His church to respond fully and live to the listening message that they have been hearing. If you are going to live out the kingdom message of Jesus, if you are going to live out the good news of Jesus, then you have to be at least as good as your worst enemy. That hurts a little bit, doesn't it? Why does Jesus choose to use our enemies to show us who we should be? Because Jesus knows the sort of people that His church are supposed to be. We're supposed to be people who help others find and follow Him. That's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be people who, who live and love like Jesus. You see, Jesus is placing that mirror in front of our face and He's saying, hey, what does it mean? What's the makeup of the character person who responds fully and replies to the kingdom message of Jesus? He's saying you're not going to get that answer on a quiz question. You're going to have to demonstrate it by how you choose to live your life. There's a doctor that I read. And um, great theologian, actually. All of you have probably read him. And, um, and I love how he brings to light some of the silly categories that we use not to love people. I read him to my children. His name is Dr. Seuss. 
Thank you for laughing, those of you who chuckled, because uh, that was my attempt at humor this morning. But Dr. Seuss writes this wonderful little book about sneetches. Now, on the way up, Jolyn reminded me that I've used this book before, but it's okay. You can handle it. Here's how the sneetches goes. It opens up like this. Now, the star belly sneetches had bellies with stars. The plain belly sneetches had none upon ours. Those stars weren't so big. They were really so small. You might think such a thing wouldn't matter at all. But because they had stars, all the star belly sneetches would brag, we're the best kind of sneetch on the beaches. With their snoots in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort. We'll have nothing to do with the plain belly sort. And whenever they met someone, they were out walking, they'd hike right on past them without even talking. I see Jesus and the Samaritan here. I see the religious man who says, I have Jesus, look at me, it's a giant star on my belly. And I see Jesus saying, have you put a boundary on your love? This is how the sneeches ends. When every last cent of their money was spent, the fix-it-up chappie packed up and he went. And he laughed as he drove in his car up the beach. They'll ne they never will learn. No, you can't teach a sneech. And you think that's the end of the story. But... McBean was quite wrong, I'm quite happy to say, that the Sneetches got really quite smart on that day. The day they decided that Sneetches are Sneetches and no kind of Sneetches the best on the beaches. That day all the Sneetches forgot about stars and whether they had one or not upon Mars. Church, I, I wonder... I wonder at times if we have looked and we have created these silly categories in which we should love and which we should be compassionate and merciful with others. And if I read this correctly, Jesus is saying you can teach a snitch. Church, if we are to respond fully and finally to the good news of Jesus, then we must have boundaryless love, unlimited grace, constant compassion. Because in the end, we must live out the message that says, I love God, and I love people. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love You, and we thank You for Your goodness. And we thank You for this gentle reminder this morning of the kind of people that You have asked us to be. The kind of character that uh, we're supposed to, to live out in this world. And Lord, in this crazy world, in this uh, just chaotic world, in this world where, where it seems like no one can get along, where everyone is in conflict, 
where there seems to be no unity, may the church be the light of the world and may we do that in how we choose to love other people. God, guide and lead our hearts, our minds, our souls, our strength to love you and to love people. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.